You're listening to the Cornerstone Word of Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this teaching from Pastor Mark. For more information on our church, please visit cwol.org. You can begin by turning to Romans chapter 5. But now every time I say the word rejoice or joy, we're going to have to stop and take a break. The Lord said every time you see the word joy and rejoice today, I honestly don't know how many that is. He told me, have you stand up and take a Holy Ghost joy break? And we didn't do that first service. Um, I don't know if they was all too stuffy for it or what they were. You know, sometimes, I, oh, I don't want to pick on anybody. Hallelujah. I like my second service group. I do. You're a, little, you're a little more laid back, a little more relaxed. Hallelujah. You go to dinner when I go to dinner. Hallelujah. Um, so glory to God. Are you re- anytime you see the word joy, anytime you see the word rejoice, now you're going to have to help me. I mean, I want you to stand up and we're going to take a little break. It may take a little minute longer than first service, but we're going to have it. Amen. (laughs) All right. I even took my jacket off for this one. Hallelujah. So last time I left you, I showed you that God would never disappoint you, that he would never let you down. And the psalmist said this, Psalms 25, verses 2 and 3 in the NIV. He said, let me not be ashamed. Let none that wait on me be ashamed, on thee be ashamed. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame. Is your hope in him? Jesus is your hope. And so the promise is what? You'll never be put to shame. Isaiah chapter 49 verse 23 says this. In the last part it says, then you will know that I am the Lord. Those who hope in me will not be disappointed. Everybody say, I will not be disappointed. God will never disappoint you. God will never let you down. And so then we look at Romans chapter 5 and verse 5. It says, and hope maketh not ashamed. And hope maketh not ashamed. And so we're going to look at a process today. And in that process, as I've been studying this, and here we're going to start right now. The Lord said to me, uh, he said, your definition of hope is confident expectation. And he told me to change it to joyful. Joyful, 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 confident, expectation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. That's exactly what I want you to do. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Because when you really hope in him, there's something that comes with it. When you really expect it to happen, there's an experience that goes along with it. It causes you to act different. It causes you to talk different. It causes you to walk different. Amen. It's good to be around people who are full of hope, full of expectation. Amen. So there's a process, though. And so this process (laughs) begins here because I don't know about you. um, I'm a little different than Jim. Um, if it's broke at my house, I got to call somebody. Because um, I don't know how to fix it, and I don't want to fix it. And, but spiritually, we are exactly alike. I cannot stand for things not to work. Because God is not a man that he should lie. 
Has he not said it? Will he not? What? He'll do it. And so if it's not working, I got to figure out why it's not working. And it's always on my end. It's never on his end. And so when I see this expectation, when I see that this hope, and it's a living hope, and, and it's a, a hope because Jesus is my hope, that we should be the happiest, the most joyful people. If you don't want to stand, you just, just at, least, at least act like you're involved, all right? So, Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the process. And as I've been studying along these lines, I'm understanding that how important hope really is. But whom also we have access by three big New Testament words, faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice. Amen. And we rejoice and we rejoice and we rejoice and we rejoice. rejoice in hope. We 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 rejoice in expectation. We rejoice because we believe. We rejoice because we know the end. We rejoice because we know it's ours. We rejoice because we trust him. Hallelujah. We rejoice because we trust him. Amen. And then what happens? And then what happens? And it says, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now, if you know me at all, you know I like to talk about some glory. What is the glory? It is the manifest presence of God. It's what we were just singing about. Amen. What does the glory of God do? When the glory comes, everything that's evil has to go. Every sickness, every disease, all, every lack, every, every uh, you know, anything that's not right. When the presence of God shows up, everything of darkness has to go. Because the glory of God is the light and the presence and the love of God and it's made manifest. And so we see here, we see really four big New Testament words. We see faith, we see grace, we see hope, and we see the glory of God. And then it begins this process because God wants to get you and I to a place where we're never ashamed, where we've never disappointed. Because see, a lot of times people do this. They'll say things like, well, God disappointed me. And can I be very bold and blunt with you? God's never disappointed you. God's never let you down. Maybe you didn't understand something. Maybe you didn't know everything. Uh, A preacher could have let you down. A church could have let you down. Religious people could have let you down. But God cannot let you down. It's impossible for God to let you down. He said if you put your hope in him, he he will not disappoint you. Hope in him will make you never ashamed. Come on. We've got to believe that. That's got to be the bedrock. That's got to be the foundation that God doesn't disappoint, that God doesn't let down. Religion will let you down every time. People could let you down. Even well-meaning people will let you down. The government will always let you down. 
Your career could let you down. Your family could let you down. Your children can let you down. Your parents can let you down. People can let you down even with the best. You know, you know I, I've learned this as a pastor. You can say everything almost right and somebody will hear you almost all the time wrong. I mean, you, you know, you got to believe the best of everybody. Come on, just believe the best of everybody. How did we get off there? It's such a cynical world we live in. You know, everybody's guilty until you prove yourself innocent. It's a new way of thinking. I don't like you because you look different than me, because you talk different than me. Then you, then you don't, uh, there's just this thing, and it's getting into the church, and we're not going to let it come in here because we have a hope and an expectation, and that, that, that's a light, and we're, and we're going to keep that. Amen? All right, so here's the process. Y'all ready for the process? Because we want to get to the place where hope never makes a shame. And so as I begin to study this, um, we, we see this, verse number three. And not only so, but we glory. Uh-oh. We glory in what? Ooh. Knowing that tribulation does what? And patience does what? experience or character, and character hope, and hope makes not a shame. So I want to look at this real quick. I want you to go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Well, it's not going to be real quick. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we're going to talk about, first of all, how we rejoice in the hope of glory. Hallelujah. Why are we so excited about glory? How many want the glory? Let's find out some things about it. 2 Corinthians 4. four. Y'all, some of you are having a breakthrough and you don't even know it. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves, your servants for Jesus' sake. Somebody's marriage, I guarantee you, will be different after today. She, and I'm going to say she, she's going to come to herself and realize that what she's been saying to you is something just crazy that some girlfriend, some, some, some person uh, put in her head, and she's going to come to herself, and you're going to be like, what in the world has happened? And you're going to rejoice and be glad. You're going to rejoice and be glad. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves for your servant for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts and given you the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. For we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. So we have this hope of glory on the inside of us. We have this glory, this treasure in earthen vessels. Hallelujah. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. I'm telling you, that treasure is on the inside of you, and your expectation is in the glory of God. Amen. And then let's look over here at verse um, 14, same chapter, verse chapter 4, 14. Knowing that he that raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise us up us also by Jesus and shall present you with us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many resound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perishes, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction. What are you going through? What are you going through? A light affliction? Well, if you would quit calling it heavy and call it what God calls it, 
Quit calling it the end of the world and call it what God calls it because from his seat, from his seat, from his seat, from his seat, which you're seated in him in Christ Jesus, from his point of glory, from his point of glory, and because he knows the end, because he knows the end, he's not worried about it. He's not concerned about it. He sent Jesus to destroy the enemy that's trying to bring you this light affliction. He's trying to bring you this light affliction, but you got to count it as light. You got to count it as light. You got to count it as done. You got to count it as over. And he said, this light affliction is going to produce something in you. It's going to produce something in you. Listen to me. If the devil would have known, he would have never crucified the Lord of glory. But the problem with the church is he knows when he comes against us, we're going to lay down and take it. But you see, we're not going to lay down and take it anymore. We're not going to lay down and take it anymore. We're not going to lay down and take it anymore. We're going to rejoice. We're going to rejoice. We're going to rejoice. We're going to rejoice and be glad. Hallelujah. Why? Why? Because we know this light affliction is going to produce something. You thought you was going to put me under. You thought by those nasty words, you're going to cause me to go into my house and lock my doors. But what you're going to cause is this light affliction. It's going to produce something in me. It's going to produce something in me. It's going to produce something in me. What is it? It's an eternal weight of glory. The glory of God's going to come on us. It's going to set on us. That glory that changes our lives, that's in us, then it's going it's to start coming out of us, and it's going to start affecting other people. Hallelujah. Woo! Glory to God. But you and I got to be willing to go through the process. You know, I don't get excited, you know about processes all the time, but I know if something works, I got to figure out how to get to it. And so I'm going to let the Lord have his perfect work in me, and I'm going to understand. Number one, what you got to understand, just in case you're new to the things of God, is God doesn't cause problems in your life. The devil is not an employee. God doesn't believe in Halloween. He doesn't have to dress up blessings in a disguise. Because you know when something bad happens, you say, well, that's just a blessing in disguise. No, that's not how the Lord does it. You have an enemy who does what? He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But you have a Savior who's come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. But you've got to understand See, if the devil would have known, he would have never crucified the Lord of glory. And, but with you and the church sometimes, he just, the devil keeps coming and coming because we've been taught in the church. Some people have been taught, well, Lord, why are you doing this to me? Some people are like, well, you can't help it. It is what it is. Que sera, sera. But see, you got to understand when the devil comes, you got to resist him. But then you also got to understand when the persecution, the trials come that, you know what? It's not whether it comes because it's coming. 
You've got to learn how to respond correctly. And if you respond, this process will work in you. If you respond correctly, this process will work in you. And it's going to turn for your good. Because this is what we know. It says we glory in tribulation. The Amplified says this tribulation is like pressure. It's affliction. It's hardship. The message says it's like being hemmed in with trouble. And I want you to turn with me to 1 Peter. Ah, 1 Peter chapter 4. <clears throat> Y'all ready? 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 12. Beloved, is that you? Think it not strange. Concerning the fiery trials, which has come to try you, as though some strange thing. Come on, I'm gonna give it, I'm gonna give some of you who has not participated a chance to participate. So I'm gonna slow down. Beloved, think it not strange. It's not a strange thing that the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You know, I was going through something, and I was asking the Lord, Lord, who's doing this? Who would want to hurt me? And he said, Satan. And I said, no, no, I get it. I know. And he said, I said, I want to know name. I want to know a name. And he said, Satan. And I, a third time, kind of like the Apostle Paul. Come on, give, me, give it up. Give me a name. And he said, I told you it's Satan. And you think, well, okay, I know that. But you don't really know that. He don't like you. You carry around the glory, which he used to walk in. You remind him of a place that he can never go again. You remind him you have a fragrance about you. And he feels like he's smelling some future smoke. <clears throat> and so he don't like you. And we don't like him. But that's not enough. You have to understand this. Beloved, don't think it's strange concerning the fire trial which has come to try you. As though some strange thing has happened to you. But rejoice. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory. <laughs> <laughs> so when the, when the fiery trial comes, when it comes, what are you supposed to do? Why? <laughs> you think that might confuse somebody? Because the church is used to, when the fiery trial comes, they're used to crying. Call 1-800-DOLLAR-PRAYER, get lots of doubt and unbelief, begging Jesus. But see, when a fiery trial comes, the Bible tells you what to do. And if we're not doing it, we're not going to get the process. We're not going to get the right results. The devil's going to win. But see, you can't keep him from bringing it. 
You can't keep the enemy from coming. But what you can keep him from doing is stealing your stuff. What you can keep him from doing is stealing your joy. What you can, yeah. You can. <laughs> you can. <laughs> so when he comes, and every time he does come, if you begin to rejoice, 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 if you begin to rejoice and be glad. You come to steal my marriage, you can't have it. You come to steal my children, you can't have them. You come to steal my money, not today. You come to take my health, there's no way. Hallelujah. So when that trial comes, when that comes, you start rejoicing. You start being glad. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> All right. Inasmuch that you're a partaker of Christ's sufferings. Now listen, you're a partaker, but you don't have to partake anymore of what Christ has redeemed you from. So I'm not partaking of sickness. I've been redeemed from that. I'm not partaking in poverty. I've been redeemed from that. I'm not partaking in not having any peace. He left me his peace. I see. I don't. I'm not partaking. But but what is those sufferings? It, it's really more about persecution. I, I used to. I have a series. I don't know if it's out there anymore. But it's called Must Christians Suffer? And it'd be good for you if you don't know. So, as much as you are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when His glory shall be revealed, you'll be what? Come on, say, I'm glad. I'm glad. I, I knew, oh, there's more in here than I thought. You, you'll be glad with what? Exceed. <laughs> Glory. <laughs> Amen. Amen. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you. And glad, rejoice, joy, happy. For the spirit of glory of God rests on you. And on your part, he is uh, evil spoken of. But on your part, he's glorified. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. So it was a process. Are, are, you, are you working with me? Oh, I'm glad I stayed for second service. Hallelujah. Um, I was thinking about going home, but I decided to stay. Oh, and by the way, Pastor Rhonda, we had some stuff come up, but she's going to be fine. And in case you're wondering, she's going to be here to teach tonight. She will. All right. Um, so we, we glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation works patience. Uh-oh. I need patience. What is that? Unswerving endurance, fortitude. The message says passionate patience. Hebrews 10, 35 and 36 says, cast not away your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. What is your confidence? What is hope? confidence. So don't cast away your hope, which has great recompense of reward, for you have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, you will receive the promise. Count it. Go with me to James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. My brethren, oh my gosh. 
count it all joy. Listen to me. Can I tell you the truth? I did not know. I did not know how many times this was in here. I did not know. But you see, I'm telling you, this is going to mess with the enemy. Because if every time he brings something and you start acting like the word acts and, he, and you do what the word says, come on, can you see how that's going to get rid of the enemy and it's going to work the process? My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. <clears throat> knowing, knowing this, knowing this, that the trying of your faith does what? But let patience have her that you may be perfect, entire, wanting nothing. James chapter 5. When you think of Job... <clears throat> what do you think of? Most people think of tragedy. Most people think of the hardship. Most people think of the loss. But James, by the Holy Ghost, tells you what you should have gotten out of the book of Job. James chapter 5, verse number 11. <laughs> Good thing I didn't put happy in here and all those too. <laughs> Behold, we count them happy. Man, look, can you look at all of this? Behold, we count them happy which endure or have patience. You've heard of the patience of Job, and you've seen the end of the Lord. So the first thing is what? Is we have the, the hope of glory, then we glory in tribulation, and then tribulation does what? So when tribulation comes, I'm understanding, okay, I can't keep the devil from coming, but when he comes... I, I, I'm going to take that tribulation that he meant to take me out with, and I'm going to work it. And I'm going to work it into patience. And I'm going to let patience have her perfect work in me. Then I'll be entire, and then I'll be complete, and I'll be wanting nothing. What does that mean? My expectation has been met. My hope has been met. My hope has manifested. Amen? And then <clears throat> he'll never disappoint you. He'll never let you be ashamed. And we see the end of Job because we see the end of the Lord. And the Lord is very pitiful and tender mercy. What was the end of Job? Double for your trouble. For your shame. See, if you ever were shamed, if you ever were ashamed, God said, I'll give you double for that. I'll give you double for that. For your trouble, I'll give you double. For your shame, I'll give you double. Amen. Come on. He'll give you double. Sounds like Jubilee to me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm so excited. Hallelujah. So now we got patience working. And then the Bible says patience will work experience. That word experience in the King James not translated really very well. It really means character. And it means uh, maturity of character approved by faith and true integrity. Uh, it means, uh, temp the message says, a tempered steel of virtue. Let me tell you what your character is. It's the seed of one's moral being. It is displayed in the action of an individual under pressure. Yeah. 
In other words, I really don't know your true character and you don't know my true character until I've had some pressure. Does anybody like pressure? No, but, but, but <laughs> it'll show you what you're made of. It'll show you what's on the inside of you. It'll show you what you believe because when you squeeze, what comes out of you is what you believe and who you are. And so one of the things we've got to understand is that when the devil comes to destroy you, if you'll take that tribulation, if you'll take that fiery trial and you'll, and you'll work it right, it'll work into patience. And when that patience has its perfect work in you, it'll, it'll, it'll change your character. It'll change who you are. It'll change what you believe. It'll change how you talk. It'll cause you to be hopeful. It'll cause you to be expectant. And then that Bible, the Bible says, then that character will produce hope in you hope let's look at that let's go back to Romans 5 can you put that up in the amplified Romans 5 1 through 5 amplified classic the whole thing I'm not reading it off the wall but I'm reading it off the wall from now all right here we go therefore since we are justified acquitted declared righteous and given right standing with God through faith let us grasp the fact that we are have peace of reconciliation to hold on and enjoy peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ the Messiah the anointed one verse number two through him also we have our access entrance introduction by faith into this grace state of God's favor in which we firmly and safely stand and let us rejoice hallelujah and exalt in our hope of experiencing and enjoying the glory of God verse 3 moreover let us be full of joy full of joy full of joy <laughs> let us exalt and triumph in our troubles and rejoice and rejoice in our sufferings, knowing the pressure and affliction and hardship produce patience and unswerving endurance. Verse 4. And endurance, fortitude, develops maturity of character, approved faith and tried integrity. And character of this sort produces the habit of joyful, 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 and confident hope of eternal now listen, when you, when, when you let that persecution work patience in you and that patience develops your character, then it turns you into a whole different person. It turns you into someone who is full of confidence. But that's why the Lord told me. And he just really honestly, can I be real honest with you? I did not think of this this much when I was sitting over there. It's probably because when I was studying, I didn't get it. Because he did say this to me last night. I want you to change the definition of hope to a joyful, confident expectation. And now I know why. It's good to come to second service and learn something while you're preaching. It's awesome. All right, sit down. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I almost feel sorry for the first service now. <laughs> Call somebody and tell them they better get this one. Hallelujah. So we want to get to the end again. So Romans 5 and 5, uh, it says that hope makes not ashamed. And remember what the psalmist said and what Isaiah prophesied about the Lord. But it, it's a process. Can you see the process? I know sometimes in the modern church, we don't want to go through any processes. But if you, if you understand what the enemy is trying to do, but you turn it to, okay, you're coming, but I'm going to use this 
Now, nobody likes to go through stuff. But guess what? I don't care how good a Christian you are. I don't care if you can pray in tongues in rhyme. (laughs) The enemy is still coming. And it may not be for a season, but there's a season coming that he's going to come. And you need to be ready for him. Now, I know the Bible said it was light affliction, and we got to count it as light. And then it said, you know, a moment. Well, that's a long moment. It's sometimes. Doesn't it seem like a long moment? But you got to look at it from God's perspective. He knows the end. And he knows the devil's defeated. He wish you and I would know. He wants you and I to know. He knows the outcome that he has for you. If you'll believe and be in hope and expect it. He knows what he want, that he's going to do. He, you just got to stay the course. And then the process of it all. So this tribulation turns into patience, which changes my character, which gives me hope, which causes me never to be disappointed. You can live never disappointed. Oh, people are still going to try. But you see, if I'm not expecting in you, I'm expecting him. Then you can't disappoint me. Now, listen, I don't want you to go around excluding people and say, well, you know, I'm not going to, you know, trust in people anymore. No, I think also when you expect people, when you expect it in God, you do begin uh, to think the best of everybody. You know, Pastor Ron and I as pastors, we just do that. We just believe the best of everybody until you prove us wrong. And I know some of you have been burned way too many times. But don't get calloused. Don't get hard. Don't let what's going on in the world get, don't let, don't let all them, them news stations get in you. Come on, we, 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 we are the hope. Come on, hope is bright, hope is great. Let's be the hopiest people in the world. <laughs> Not the hokiest, the hopiest. Amen. But how do we get, uh, uh, why are we, why am, why are we so confident? I want you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter six. I'm going to leave you here. Hebrews six, verse 11 says, and we desire that every one of you do this, show, show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. And then it goes on to talk about what God is doing and what he did with Abraham. And I want to skip down to verse number 18, reading to you out of the King James. Why can we have this confident expectation? Why are we so sure that God will never disappoint us, let us down? That by two immutable things, it's impossible for God to lie. We might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. And if you all remember the first week that I started, we looked at this, which hope we have as an anchor, still waiting on my t-shirt, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters into that within the veil. We have this hope. What What does this expectation do? It anchors us. What's an anchor for? It's on a ship that when you're in harbor and everything is right, you don't float into the rocks. You just kind of hold steady. In the middle of a storm, though, you can stop and drop and let that anchor go down in deep. 
And when the wind is blowing and the storm is going, it won't affect you. That's the anchor. Why do we have, what are these two immutable things? Well, number one, his promise. I mean, know that God's not a man that he should lie. His word never returns veil, void. His, his word never returns void. He could, and then the second one was by his oath. Y'all know what an oath is? I, I don't know why when I was a little boy, this made such an impression on me. Y'all heard me talk about my mamaw, right? Mamaw loved Jesus. Now, she had to go to court one time, and I don't know why she made such a big deal about this. But then you know how you go to court, they put a Bible, and they say, you know, and that's funny, you know, they, I don't know if they'll all try to get rid of that next, but, you know, um, you know, put your hand on it and raise your right hand and swear, you know, everything you're about to tell you is the whole truth, not but truth, you know, so help you God, and you say, you know, I swear or whatever. My mamma said, now you should, Marky, don't you call me Marky. She called me Marky. Marky, now don't you ever swear by that. She said, you say I affirm. I affirm. And I never thought it was a thing, but to her, the oath of God was so reverent and holy. Because if he said it, he couldn't lie. And he swore an oath. But that's like God, that's what the picture came to me. That's like God lifting up his hand to you. And saying, I swear to you that I will never disappoint you. I will never lie to you. If I told you I would do it, I swear to you that I will. I swear to you that I will. See, see, when you are that confident about God and his word, and do you see why the devil tries so hard to erode that in the church? Because see, if you can ever get there where God is not a man that he should lie, if he said it, he'll do it. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will never pass away. He swore to me. He cannot disappoint me. He will not fail me. He will not let me down. By two immutable things, that by his word and by his oath. The message says it this way. He gave his word. It's a rock-solid guarantee. Because his word cannot change, the promise is likewise unchangeable. We've had a good time in church today. But it was meant to be more than a good time. It was meant to be a breakthrough. Can you see if you would respond the way the word tells you to every time the devil comes? How, number one, you just might be so slap happy, uh, uh, drunk in the Holy Ghost all the time that the devil could probably leave, he'll probably leave you alone. Because if you're laughing and rejoicing and dancing in your kitchen while, you know, you're, you're whatever, doing whatever, or you're, you know, I mean, if you just, every time the devil brought a fiery attack, if you just, just cut loose. Oh, you know, pastor, people will think I'm strange. Yeah, but the devil leave you alone. It'll start fixing some stuff. There's something coming to our church about uh, rejoicing and um, being grateful. And I'm telling you, the devil's going to keep being the devil, but you can quit letting him beat you up. You can start doing what the word says. 
And what it's gonna produce, it's gonna produce a hope in you that will never disappoint. And then Romans 5.5, 5, we, we, we pull this second part out all the time, but Romans 5.5 5 says this, and hope makes not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in your hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. And as we continue to look on this, the Lord is really dealing with me about faith, hope, and love and how they all work together and how we've left the middle one out at the detriment of people receiving. Because when you have hope, you have a joyful, confident expectation. Now listen to me. I don't know what you're going through, but I want to make sure everybody in this room, you say, somebody brought me to this crazy church today and I don't know why you all so happy, but I want to be happy like you. And the only way to do that is to make sure that Jesus is the Lord of your life. We hope you were inspired by today's message. If you want to hear more from the Word of God, head over to cwol.org. Check us out on YouTube or any social platform under at Madison. We believe God is working within you and we want you to know Him so you too can make Him known.